0: Welcome to With the First Link, the podcast that hopes to make our future as bright and as just as the one that we see in Star Trek The Next Generation. And we think that one way to do that is to recap and discuss the entire series, one episode at a time, doing our best to look at it all through an anti-oppression, pro-diversity, anti-racist lens. I am Ruthie kauper And I'm
1: Matthew Simone, and today we'll be talking about The Arsenal of Freedom. This episode was written by Richard Manning and Hans Beimler, and directed by Les Landau. It first aired on April 9th, 1988.
0: For today's check-in, let's talk about sales pitches. Yeah. How do you feel about sales pitches, Matthew?
1: It's interesting you brought this up because I, I literally was thinking about this yesterday and I was scrolling through social media mm. and I've been trying to be more active on social media, especially since I've I've kind of started rebranding myself openly on there as a science writer and communicator. Because right. that's a lot of the other work that I do. Yeah. But I also find that process like exhausting. I think, especially in the era of social media, I feel like we're all marketing and pitching ourselves constantly. Yeah. At least when you're when you rely on social media for the distribution of your work or finding new work. It's like I'm always I feel like I'm always on like always pitching, always selling. I'm sure that's part of the greater sense of living in a capitalist society is that we always have to become a product of ourselves in a way. You know what I mean? Right. But it's like, yeah, it's like always pitching even like when you're applying for a job when you're writing a cover letter like you're you're always you always have to turn yourself into a sales pitch as well and yeah like some ways i think it could be empowering to look back on your successes and accomplishments and try to curate them in a way but also it's i it, it feels part of it feels gross
0: yeah that's interesting I read something not long ago that was talking about when uh, when people say like, oh, it can't hurt to apply for this job and that actually it can because oh, wow, applying yeah. for jobs is a lot of work and rejection is painful and everyone has to deal with some amount of rejection but continuously dealing with rejection can take a toll so when when people say oh it, it couldn't hurt to apply that doesn't really acknowledge the amount of work that goes into yeah selling yourself and making that pitch of you as the best candidate for whatever the role is so yeah capitalistic needing to to be a product of yourself
1: yeah. And it, I mean, and I've also, I've been on the other end of that too. Where I've worked in sales. Right. And trying to be, like, wanting to be honest about a product. But it was, it was interesting because like as working with people who were making a lot more money than I was, because I was, I was working in commission based sales for a while. Right. And their advice was almost, well, people don't, like I would offer a lot of facts. We are selling electronics. This was a number of years ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when Future Shop was still around and uh, our version of Best Buy up here in Canada until Best Buy took over Future Shop and yep. now there is no future shop anymore. Nope. But I would be offering a lot of information and facts on on a product that I was interested in, like you know like a, a computer or whatever and, right. and I remember some of the more senior sales people who always had more sales than me they were saying they don't care about that people don't want to know more information because it gives them more to think about they just want to be comforted in the decision that they might already want to have made mm. and so they're like in a way by offering them more info you might have talked them out of something because now they have to feel like or now they feel like they have to go and reflect on it more rather than just saying like yeah it's the best thing yeah this is the best one yeah, yeah this is great you know and just and I watched other sales people like that that's how they closed a lot of sales it wasn't offering more information it was just like just trying to make the person more comfortable at a decision they sense that they already wanted hmm. and I I didn't know how to think about that either I was like huh, oh,
0: interesting that's interesting because I think that sometimes in other contexts like I'm thinking about like medical contexts where like you do want information to base your decisions on but you also I think a lot of the time when you're thinking about making a difficult decision what you need is someone to listen to you talk through your thinking and validate your thinking Mm -hmm. and in a way that does make sense to me it's not like you know consumers don't want I, i think it's a it feels a little reductive to say that consumers don't want to think but probably a lot of them have already done some thinking and they aren't looking for like the best thing in the world they're looking to get reassurance that the decision that they've made is is okay is a good one if not the best one and what they're looking for is validation rather than confirmation.
1: Right. And then isn't that isn't that the crux of like all disinformation?
0: Right, cuz there is a lot of validating of like oh you feel unsafe about this well that's because the government secretly
1: whatever blah, blah, whatever blah, yeah. Yeah, and I I feel like this is in some ways a lot of news has now become this as well. It's like a sales pitch. It's it's like we're just going to validate your current viewpoint and make you feel safe and secure in what you already believe yeah. rather than offering information that might challenge uh, a previously held position. Right. I mean, we're all uh, vulnerable to that as well, right? Is that something's going to, you know, in wanting to seek validation for our own position. And I think that that happens as well. And so it's like it's it's so it, it kind of like now I'm putting all these these things together from my previous sales job and <laughs> they're like wow we're onto something for society here and, and selling laptops as a small microcosm of yeah. that but I yeah I think in a way like we we are subject to that kind of confirmation bias and that's that's sometimes what sales pitches become it, right it's less informative and more about like again trying to appeal to the person's comfort or sense of comfort not wanting to challenge that discomfort
0: yeah I also think there's a um. So being on the receiving end of, of sales pitches can be really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And when you feel pressure to buy something, which is what happens in this episode, there's yeah, pretty that's, yeah, significant side pressure about. to buy something. And it, it kind of makes me think of something that a writing teacher that I had a long time ago mentioned, which is that writing is all manipulation but what (laughs) what we all want is to be manipulated without seeing or feeling the manipulation which I mean that was sort of a tongue-in-cheek we don't actually necessarily want to be manipulated I don't want to put that out there but that we don't we certainly don't want the manipulation to be visible so like when you can feel a sales pitch be a sales pitch like that is to me at least that is uncomfortable in a way that probably people who are more skilled at at sales when it doesn't feel like a sales pitch, I'm probably more comfortable with that. And probably it's more likely to be an effective sales pitch. It's more likely to work on me.
1: Right, yeah. I thought about that while going through this episode. And I was like, actually, this this automated salesperson is a terrible salesperson. Yes, yes. I was like, how do you close any sales? That's probably why they went out of business.
0: Well, that and they- Went extinct. Killed their, um, <laughs> their people buying the product, so.
1: Yeah. That's also bad for business. Yes. You don't want to poison your customers yes. or kill your customers.
0: Should we get into it?
1: All right, let's do it. So in this episode, while investigating the disappearance of the USS Drake, the crew of the Enterprise find themselves faced with an offer they can't refuse.
0: They can't. They they actually cannot refuse no, it. No, they
1: they can't refuse it. They're it, not
0: allowed to and not able to.
1: They are threatened with death. We never used that tactic in Future Shop. That's good. Or now when when I work for a local honey producer, we're not like that either.
0: You don't, you don't strong arm them into buying your no that's good no
1: it's kind of it's kind of against our our vibe that we have in a in a locally produced honey you don't threaten
0: to stick the bees on them
1: no no actually bees are quite docile creatures that's true yeah they i don't think people appreciate how you could actually just like take a beehive apart and it's possible to not even get stung yeah
0: yeah bees are awesome
1: bees are awesome and and we need them take care of the bees save the bees
0: save the bees also let's get into this episode yeah So, yeah, so the, the Enterprise is investigating the disappearance of this ship, the USS Drake, which in turn had been investigating the disappearance of all intelligent life on the planet Minos. And so we get a little bit of exposition that the citizens of Minos were arms mer- merchants during the Ursal Rope Wars. That's a word I have a hard time saying
1: Ursal Rope Wars. Yep. And they
0: manufactured weapons. For both sides.
1: Yeah, double double dealing. Yes. But I'm, I'm assuming that's probably not untrue of many actual arms manufacturers, yeah No, I think unfortunately. That's, that's
0: about right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Riker went to the academy with the captain of the USS Drake, so Captain Paul Rice, and says that, that the captain is competent almost to the point of of arrogance, but is usually right. He tells a story that in, in, advanced, in an advanced navigation test, the students were provided three options. Rice rejected them and offered a fourth option of his own. And now that that option is also taught alongside in this test. It was almost reminiscent of the Kobayashi Maru story with, with Captain Kirk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And also that, that uh, he got top marks.
1: Top marks. Top marks. Yeah.
0: Troy and Riker sort of agree that someone like that would act aggressively in a difficult situation. And we also learn that Riker was offered the command of the Drake, which made sense to me because I like there's a lot is made about Riker being like a super young first officer. Mm -hmm. So I was like, he went to the academy with someone who is now a captain. That doesn't make sense, but it actually does. He turned down command of the Drake because he thought that it would be uh, more advantageous to him to serve on the Enterprise for a tour. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And this is, I realize now, kind of as we rewatch the series, that this is the first time that this theme comes up with Riker. Yes, And they kind of drop it in as a seed. Yeah. But it is going to be a recurring theme as to whether or not Riker always weighs being first officer on the Enterprise, the flagship, versus commanding his own vessel. So we'll return to this in the future.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question as to what gives you more opportunity, having your own command, but a smaller ship, or being second in command on Like yeah, the Federation flagship. The Enterprise That's right, the
1: Enterprise. Yeah. I yeah, what's what's better on your resume later when you have to sell yourself? Oh my god. Is that what it comes down to? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think Riker just I think he enjoys being part of the family that also is the enterprise. As Remick brought up in one of the previous episodes, they have that familial connection with each other. And and being able to study under Picard would be amazing. Right. So for sure.
0: Data picks up vegetation and animal life only. And they sort of speculate what what could have happened on Minos. Tasha Yar points out that in any mass death event, like war, pandemic, anything, there are always some survivors. So it doesn't make sense that there would be none.
1: Yeah, and they are scanned. So something all of a sudden comes from the surface and they think, okay, maybe this is an answer then to that question of what this has survived. And we see Vincent... Was it Chiavelli?
0: Chiavelli? I'm not so sure. Chiavelli, I just... Vincent? I yeah. took a note of his name because I feel like he is in a lot of... I feel like he plays a lot of, like...
1: Oh, from that era. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. he was also... He played
0: Uncle Enyos in Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
1: Okay, uh, yeah. Jenny
0: Callender's uncle. Where else... I was like, I know I've seen him in other things. Yeah. I obviously recognized him from, from my childhood in this, but, but yeah, I feel like he, he plays... He, he had a lot of, like, guest appearances in TV shows in the 80s yep. and
1: 90s. And he's... Basically, like our a space version of a used car salesman. Yes. Just kind of that slimy <laughs> kind of like say like you know like you say earlier that uncomfortable yeah, sales pitch, but
0: yeah. also an automated one. So he's not yes. he's not a, a person. He's an automated message, and he says, "Welcome to Minos, the Arsenal of Freedom." And uh, they live by the motto, "Peace by, peace superior, by superior firepower." Power. Which is yeah. interesting. How you would have peace if. If you're selling to both sides, which side then has superior firepower? That feels more like an arms race than uh, than <laughs> path to peace.
1: Well, Ruthie, it would be whatever side paid you more.
0: I guess so, yeah.
1: Yeah. So Riker starts an away team with Yar and Data, and Yar suggests bringing a small team until she is confident that there isn't a threat, and Riker says, okay.
0: Yeah, I like that. He's He has the opposite. He wants to bring down a big team, and she's like, no, let's just go with minimum amount until we can be sure. And Riker's yeah. like, all right, you. This is your job, not mine. I'll go with Safety. you. Safety. And yeah. it probably was the right call. Yeah. We get a really weird close up of Picard before we go into the intro.
1: I liked it. I I think they're trying to they're trying to figure out how to get more cool close up shots on Picard's like stoic command face.
0: <laughs> it's because that's one.
1: a that's a big thing that that shot that what they're trying to do in the shot that evolves a lot over TNG as well. It does,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the timing improves.
1: It does, yeah, and the angle yeah. gets
0: better. Yeah. yeah. So on the planet, the away team starts kind of searching around and Picard gets them to keep their communication channel open and Data says that something is monitoring their communications.
1: Yeah, and the sky is very, very blue. I, I was thinking about how they don't, I don't think they really use these sound stages anymore much after like the first and second season. They actually, I think the budget improves later for tng they start going to more like real outdoor locations oh yeah it seems that they leave the sound sets for whatever they're just in caves right there's a lot of caves in star trek or yes. underground
0: yeah it's 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 a very tropical planet with a very blue sky mm-hmm. yar finds this uh melted tritanium she calls it mm-hmm. and they're like how could what could do that so i guess tritanium is something that's hard to melt but then data finds this like massive Raygun that seems to be still intact just covered in like vegetation one branch <laughs> there's like
1: a branch laying over it they're like look it's covered they
0: made it a they know. made an attempt to show <laughs> that
1: it was covered yeah
0: so presumably that's what melted it and then as the team spreads out ensign zoo on the ship reads that there's like an energy buildup east of riker so riker kind of goes towards it and sees captain rice
1: Right. And so, of of course, since they were looking for Captain Rice and they're looking for the Drake, Riker at first is excited to see him. And he's like, where were you? And he's like, I was over there.
0: It doesn't indicate anything with his face yeah. or his hands or...
1: Yeah, so it's really odd. Like, immediately, it's very yeah. strange. And, and yeah. Picard and Ensign Sue that are on the ship, they say, hey, like, there's these low-level energy readings in your area, but there are no other life signs other than the away team. So right away, Riker is suspicious and Rice starts asking a lot of these probing questions about, hey, like what, where did you come from and what ship are you from and and like what's going on with you?
0: Yeah. And and then Data and Yar show up as well. And Data also points out that there are no other life signs. And this is, I think, I can't remember, I don't think it was in the last episode, maybe it was a couple episodes ago where you mentioned like it's hard to know whether something is like an aside <laughs> or whether it's yeah. meant for everyone to hear because Data's like... In full, at full volume, he's like, "Yeah, there's no other, uh, no other life signs other than us." And, yeah. And Riker, Riker at least is like, "I know," and then says kind of loudly at at Rice, he says that uh, they're looking for him because his mother sent them. So he he and and Data is like confused by this, but he is. Clearly, starting he knows that something's up. Well, obviously he does because there are no other life signs. So he's not giving any information.
1: Rice wants to know about the ship again, like what ship they came on. And Riker says that that he serves on the Lollipop and that it's a good ship.
0: Yeah, it's a a little Shirley Temple reference. She had a song about the good ship Lollipop.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so that that's not in a vacuum. That's like an actual reference I've always wondered that. I was like, I thought. He was just trying to say that he was obviously not talking about a real ship. Right. Yeah. Turns it's, out that's all well, I didn't know.
0: It's kind of fun. Yeah. Oh. But Rice doesn't react to the fact he's like, "Oh, I didn't know there's a lollipop," but he's not like, "That's a ridiculous name for a ship." So clearly, he's not Rice.
1: Maybe he's a Shirley Temple fan. Maybe so he, he he's got like, the reference. Finally,
0: they named ship <laughs> a good ship, Lollipop.
1: <laughs> good ship, Lollipop.
0: But he wants to know the armament. He he says the the that his ship's top speed is warp three, which I think is very slow for a top speed of a ship.
1: Yeah, especially in that modern era. Yeah. yeah. they can all go faster than that.
0: But then he's, he's confused when Riker says the Drake so he doesn't know that's the name of his ship. And then Riker just kind of starts saying numbers and he's like oh, our armament is 10. No, it's 6. Yeah. And then he points out that Rice has been called because he's called him Captain Rice. He's also called him Paul but Rice hasn't used his first name at all. And then Riker I, I would have thought he would have been a bit more subtle about this but he just starts yelling about how rice isn't real and this is all fake. And then rice disappears and turns into, I don't even. how do you describe it? A hovering probe? It's not a probe. It's like a, it was created with like an egg-shaped pantyhose holder from the 80s and a shampoo bottle. But that...
1: Is that actually what it's made apparently, of?
0: Apparently, yeah. <laughs> it's like awesome. a, It's it's like a, I don't know, like, is it a robot? Is it...
1: I don't know. We'll we, maybe we could use it. We'll use that as the episode art, so people can see what. Okay, it's yeah, like. yeah, that
0: thing. That's what it that is. That thing.
1: That's what it is. Yeah, it's that thing that's in the picture. Yeah. And yeah, and I think him yelling, him yelling at it is kind of in a long-standing tradition of people yelling at computers in Star Trek to get them to reveal themselves or to blow up. <laughs> That happens a lot. It happens a lot of the original series where like if a computer is trying to outsmart you, you outsmart it and yell at it. Yell it and tell it.
0: Tell it that you have outsmarted it. Don't keep that a secret. Tell it.
1: Yeah, that's right. Be like, I'm on to to
0: you. Your trickery isn't working. Yep. The team is about to beam back up onto the ship. But then this, whatever this thing is, encases Riker in an energy field and they can't read his life signs. They don't know if he's alive. And then we go to a commercial break and we have to go through this whole commercial break wondering if Riker... Is alive.
1: That's yeah, the, cause these breaks are still built into the episodes. A fade in and it fade out.
0: Now watching it, you've got like a second and a half to be like, yeah, oh no. Like, oh no,
1: what's gonna happen? The transporter can't lock onto Riker. And Data says that he appears to be more in stasis than dead. And right. he and Yar theorize that someone will probably come and collect him. Like that was the point, is that the probe collects it cases this thing and then it would be collected later for I don't know, maybe studying what its enemy yeah, is. Or, or something.
0: interrogation or something.
1: Or interrogation, yeah. Yeah.
0: So Picard's like, okay, I'm gonna go down uh, with with Dr. Crusher. He leaves Laforge in command and says mm-hmm. very specifically, he says your prime responsibility is to the ship.
1: I think Picard here, Picard is like, okay. Where is there one moment in time that I can get away with leaving the ship and no one's going to make a fuss? I know when Riker is in stasis. Yeah. And that's why he decides to leave. Yeah, He's I like, He's Riker like, well, my first anything.
0: officer isn't here to tell me I can't. However, the ship's counselor is there to tell yes. her, to tell him that, that he can't, but he just knows So she steps
1: concern. into the role. Yeah, she yeah. does.
0: She's like, fine, Riker's not here to do it. I will do it, but it doesn't yes. stop him no he notes her concern that's it and that's all so on the surface they they figure that the image of rice was like an intelligence gathering device that was used during the Ursul rope wars
1: Ur- Ursul rope Ro- wars Ursul rope
0: wars it's hard that's a tongue twister it really is Ursul rope wars once it is found out and this is why i would like assume you would want to be a little more subtle just be like, okay, no, I still think you're you're Captain Rice. Keep being Captain Rice because I don't want you to do something worse. Like, encase me so that I can be collected and interrogated later.
1: I guess they calculated the, the, the game. The ruse is up, so we might as well so. make the next move. Yeah, Data says that he might be able to disable the field with a phaser, but that it's going to be a long and dangerous process. And Data starts just like... Randomly waving the phaser over the force field. Yeah. you're like, I guess it's not a very precise endeavor. Well, that's why me. it's
0: dangerous. But Picard's like, well, <laughs> either way, it's dangerous because we can't beam him up while he's like that. So
1: yeah. And the Enterprise picks up readings around the way team. And then a second one of these floaty things shows up and attacks them.
0: Yeah. And so Crusher and Picard run one way and Crusher ends up like dropping her med kit in a very dramatic fashion and falling. And the two of them fall down the hole very dramatically.
1: Yeah, throwing their arms up in the air. Yeah,
0: it's it's a serious fall. And it, it ends up being it's like 11 and a half meters or something. Uh, and so she Crusher is seriously injured.
1: Yeah, she's like broken. She's probably broken her leg and she's bleeding. Yeah.
0: So Yar tries to destroy the floaty thing again with her phaser. They did that with the last one. Uh, But this one is anticipating her. So it moves. So if she fires at it, it moves out of the way before she can reach it. And so she needs data to like help her. So she fires and it moves and then data fires at where it is. And so that way they destroy it together. But then they realize that the captain and the doctor are missing. And now their communicators don't work.
1: They should have realized right away because as soon as they hit their communicators, it makes the like, nope, I'm yeah. not working <clears throat> sound.
0: Captain Picard. But it. <clears throat> no, but they have to try it first. That sound. Yeah. I don't know if that. I was wondering that. I was like, is that sound just for our benefit or?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think it is. Yeah, the the audience knows. Like, oh, oh it's, it's not, not working. Work. It's making the I'm not working sound. Yeah. Picard decides that he's going. They're going old school medicine now because they're 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 in this hole and they don't have access to the med kit. So yeah. Picard's going to make a splint. This is actually, this is one thing I'll note. In Star Trek, and I don't know if this is true of other shows too, I think like it is, but anytime that you need like a tourniquet or a bandage, people's clothes are like super easy to rip apart. Do you ever notice this? Like they just grab a sleeve <laughs> or a part of it and they just like, and I'm like, clothes are not actually that hard to, they're, they're really difficult. You can't just rip fabric apart that easily. I don't know.
0: Yes, that is, he like rips her like lab coat to, to, but and it's also not clear because he gets a stick but he doesn't like set her arm at all, so I can't tell if she's got like a broken arm or what. But he he uses a stick and then ties a strip of fabric that he very easily rips off of her lab coat. Yeah, that is true. That's fabric is a lot harder to rip than that.
1: Yeah, especially maybe even future fabric would be unless it's designed that way and on purpose. Quick
0: rip fabric for all your quick rip your, fabric all for tourniquet tourniquet needs. needs. Yeah, he he ties her her arm up and then she says that she needs to keep conscious.
1: Yeah, because she probably has a head injury.
0: Back on uh, the above level of the surface, Data manages to free Riker with, with his phaser. And they start looking for Picard and Crusher. And then on the Enterprise, and since Sue says she can read all five life signs of the away team. And so LaForge is like, great, beam them all up. But then it seems like out of their control, the shields and the deflectors go up. Like they didn't put them up.
1: No, it's, like it's almost automated because the ship has detected that there's something off the port bow and it fires at them. Yeah. And it's another one of these probes, but it's in space and it has attacked the Enterprise. Yeah,
0: and I assume it's way bigger.
1: I guess so. Like when you look at it on screen, it, it looks like you can see it visibly next to the Enterprise. Yeah, so it must be so larger. It must be huge. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so Worf, like, tries to fire at the object, but it, it keeps disappearing. Like, it cloaks as soon as it fires yeah, on them. Advice. So they, they engage. It's actually a pretty significant battle that keeps, like, going after them. And, and they can't fire back. And they lose power in various parts of the shields and the deflectors. Until we meet our third, so far, chief engineer. This is chief engineer Logan.
1: Yeah, Logan's Logan's a bit of a jerk. He sucks. He's like, yeah. He's really bad at communication, and he's very like confrontational. He thinks that he should assume command and kind of like take over and stuff. But he wants to know. Yeah, he's like, is.
0: are we are we breaking orbit? What's going on? And then he like comes to the bridge, and he's like, you need to relinquish your command to me. Actually, this is something I don't know if you know this at all, or if this is ever established. Are there like two streams of command on the Enterprise? Because I feel like there's. So Picard put La Forge. In charge of the ship, Laforge is a lieutenant, but he's a bridge officer. So, like, is bridge officer a separate stream of command?
1: That that is a good question. I my understanding is that it is. So there's like an almost like higher level of seniority that you have regardless of your rank, right? If you serve on the bridge, and there are only so many spots for each command level on the bridge, so you'd have like one ensign a few lieutenants like a commander yeah. lieutenant commander a commander and then of course the captain yeah. and that they're part of your bridge crew i think they might be considered more of like the senior officers like sometimes when you'll hear on the enterprise it's like senior officers report to the bridge
0: right and it's the bridge crew
1: it's it's always the bridge crew and so i think that they do have their own special seniority and so that might be what's coming into play here in the and di- the dynamic between logan and laford yeah
0: because because logan does outrank him i guess he's a lieutenant commander and laford is mm-hmm. a lieutenant and mm-hmm. he's like relinquish command to me and LaForge says no and what he wants to do he's he's actually kind of skilled at this i it's not bad he's like no i do need your expertise because Logan's like you're you're ignoring my higher rank and my on my experience and LaForge is like no I, we need your rank and your experience in engineering, getting in engineering. all the power that you can to the shield.
1: Yeah, because that's what he's supposed to be doing. That's his job,
0: yeah. <laughs> that's
1: his job, yeah.
0: So Logan's like super huffy about it and just, he just, you know, he just has a sort of sour look like he's just being a jerk.
1: Yeah, and given um, the the luck or the success of the past chief engineers of the Enterprise, you think he might be a little bit more humble about his position. <laughs> given that they've gone through like half a dozen of them yeah. in, in <laughs> the one third season one in
0: less than a year yeah. Come on, and one me. of them
1: died. Yeah, so. Exactly, yeah. So <laughs> chill out.
0: LaForge tells Worf to analyze this object's firing pattern and says, Logan, you go back to engineering. And he's like pretty forceful about it. He's like, like L- Logan doesn't at first. And he's like, now go back to engineering. And there's a lot of like Troy looking very meaningfully at LaForge, which yeah, I just, like.
1: I think she's proud of him handling yeah, his Yeah, she's like-
0: proud. And she's also like keeping an eye on him to make sure he's okay. Because that's your job.
1: He also, like, I, I, did, I did appreciate the way that he deals with Logan because he's not like, no, get get, like, get out of here. He's more like, no, you're you're providing a function that I really need right now. Yeah. Like, he's not saying, like, oh, you're not as important as me. You can't be captain. What mm. he's trying to say is, like, I, listen, I'm in command and I, I need you to, to support me by being back in this role where your expertise is.
0: Logan says to him, if... Picard knew that we were going to end up in this situation he wouldn't have put you in command and LaForge is like no you're right he wouldn't have left the ship if he knew that this was going to happen of course but he yeah did leave the ship and he put me in command so this is where yeah. we are
1: it's it's also another example of where I, I again I wonder given that this interaction is between him and a position that we know that Geordi assumes in the future is was this for, like did they know that that's what the character was going to do or, like, did they guess from these past interactions? They're like, actually, it makes more sense that LaForge is going to become, like, a chief engineer or whatever. So I, it's one of those things I was wondering, like, I don't know if, if that was intended or, like, it's it's foreshadowing for the character. But, you know, again, we, we see this dynamic play out and you're like, oh, I, I might be seeing yeah. something in LaForge's future here.
0: Yeah, well, you you definitely see he's got some, he's got some good instincts for, for leading. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile,
1: back on the surface,
0: on the surface, uh, Yar and Data and Riker are now looking for Picard. But then they pick up more energy readings and another floaty thingamie shows up. And Data literally throws Tasha out of the way. Like he
1: like front flip flying like through flings the air. Her. Yeah. It's
0: so funny, but doesn't do anything to save Riker.
1: Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm tired of trying to rescue you. I just spent like an hour getting you out of a force field. <laughs> to help someone i can only
0: throw one person at the moment (laughs) and i've already saved you a little bit a little bit so
1: go to the other person gotta balance things out
0: but now the floaty thing in addition to being able to anticipate the moves it now has a deflector shield so all three of them need to fire at the same time to get rid of it and that's not good no
1: because it's they're evolving
0: yeah they're getting better and they're specifically evolving based on what these, like, what this crew is able to do to get rid of it. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And data says they're appearing every 12 minutes.
1: So they've got 12 minutes before even another more improved one shows up.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Back in the pit, Crusher is falling asleep and realizes that she is bleeding from her leg as well. Yeah. She's also somehow covered in sand. And yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> apparently,
0: apparently the sand had like fleas in it. So this was not a fun shoot for this. Oh, two. what?
1: Oh, that's gross. Yeah. So like the it's so gross. Even though well, I guess they just brought it in from somewhere, but the the sand was full of fleas.
0: I always Ugh. assumed like television shows. I know like you know they get bigger budgets as they get more popular or whatever. But I always assumed like they had a lot of money. But I guess not. Or the money gets eaten up by other things because like you couldn't just like get new sand that didn't have fleas in it.
1: Or some. Are sometimes you think like well, of course these production sets or the production teams is going to take care of the actors, but then you hear about, like, the ways that actors are mistreated on shows, and you're like, oh, maybe not. Like, maybe they just don't care if you're covered in sand fleas. I don't know.
0: I guess not, yeah. She ends up uh, guiding Picard through this, like, plant-based medicine to find a clotting agent for her wound.
1: She gets him to, like, just lick this root this alien root She's on it yeah, yeah. And she's like yeah I just bite on this root and i was like oh my god what if he has some kind of crazy allergic reaction to this alien yeah root and she's like don't
0: swallow it but like that's <laughs> there's a lot between like touching and swallowing but he she needs to know what it tastes like because her grandmother practiced some of this plant-based medicine are all plants the same regardless of what planet they come from I don't know. Not best not to get too much into it, I suppose. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Maybe maybe if it has that bitterness then the chemistry of it is is in a way. Yeah, I guess. I was like There's... I was impressed. I was like, "Okay, cool." It was, it was she cool, knows. yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, but she also says that she's going into shock and Picard needs to elevate her legs and try to keep her warm, but they don't it's not like they have extra sweaters. So, he can't really, I guess he keeps her warm with the sand. Yep. Uh, the flea sand. <laughs> and uh picard like tries to look for a way out of this hole that they've fallen down it's like an underground structure yeah like they're not just underground there's there has been stuff that has been built around them but not used in a long time
1: yeah perhaps buried over time or whatever yeah yeah back on the ship sue can't pin down the pattern but laforge thinks that he finds one and the object fires on them again war fires back but misses and the strain on the ship and the shields is now becoming like serious problem that they're 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 being worn down by this probe. And so Logan, uh, your note here says Logan just sucks from engineering. <laughs>
0: Everything Logan does is just Logan sucks. Logan sucks. Logan sucks. <laughs> sucks more. He sucks from engineering. He sucks when he's on the bridge.
1: <laughs> and then LaForge tells him, and this is we're about to go into another like dramatic commercial break, but LaForge tells him, he's like, okay, like report to the bridge. And you you think, given the tone, the way that this this part is shot. That LaForge is relinquishing command, you think that that's what's what's about to happen, and yeah. you get this wide shot of the bridge from above. it's huge, yeah, some of the ways the bridge is shot. it actually looks quite large, yeah, I always wondered how big the set actually is because you don't yeah sometimes on t v the the camera angles and lenses can make rooms look bigger or smaller. I totally I've always yeah. wondered it's one of the one of the dreams in life that is now not possible. I always wanted to have stood on the bridge of the enterprise the bridge yeah, yeah
0: it's gone now, eh,
1: yeah, unfortunately,
0: yeah. He, so LaForge, we come back from commercial and LaForge tells us Ensign Solis, who's at the helm, to break orbit. And then, see, this is the thing where, where I'm like, no, Logan's really just not. He just wants to undermine Geordi. He
1: Yeah, earlier he, he asked them if they were going to break orbit. But now that they are breaking orbit, he's like, you're just leaving them behind? Yeah. yeah. So he,
0: he just wants any decision that LaForge makes is going to be the wrong one.
1: It's pretty awful to have someone like that in your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because he's like he's like you. He's like, well, I have a I have a responsibility to the to the ship, and he's like, well, what about your responsibility to the captain? Like, shut up, Logan. Like, and this is actually a pretty good indication of why Logan not should not charge. be in command. Yeah,
1: exactly, because
0: he also doesn't have like good reasoning for. For the decisions that he wants to make. He just wants to do whatever LaForge doesn't want to do. Yeah. And so then there's a nice little, you see, you it really does seem like LaForge, LaForge says, like, you are going to be in command. Dot, dot, dot. Dramatic pause. <laughs> but it's of the saucer section. Yes. And then Logan, Logan's like, oh, you want to separate. So it's like, you don't want us to stick around. You don't want us to leave. You don't want us to do the one thing that will allow us to both stick around and leave. So what do you want, Logan? <laughs> yep.
1: This is also kind of a power move on Jordy's part because engineering is not in the saucer section. So in a way, Logan has just kind of lost his job.
0: Oh. <laughs> so I'm taking, I like I'm doing the exciting work and I'm taking engineering. And I'm taking engineering with me.
1: You go that's take funny. care of the kids now because <laughs> that's, that's all I trust you
0: with. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. I mean, that it's still important. Let's not forget. Yeah. Gotta. The Enterprise has a lot of people who, you know.
1: Don't want to get shot at. To,
0: for sure. Yeah. Uh, so he, so LaForge goes into the ready room and sort of, I think he's kind of considering the gravity of the situation he's in and, you know, being in command.
1: We see other similar scenes. We'll see other similar scenes like this in the future when a person takes command of the Enterprise and they kind of like walk into the ready room trying to draw inspiration from that space. You know, this is the captain's yeah. ready room. This was where Picard hangs out and, and considers the big decisions he has to make. So they walk in there and they, they want to soak up some of that command energy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like Picard has imbued the space <laughs> yeah. with, with his...
1: Captain spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. So Troy comes in and she wants to talk to him and he gets a little defensive. He thinks she's worried about him and he admits he's very nervous. Yeah. But she actually says that he's doing a great job, that he has kept a cool head. He's taken charge. He's made some very difficult decisions. The issue is actually with Solis and Zoo. Right. They're good officers, but they are nervous they lack battle experience and what they need is for laforge to show confidence in them and he realizes that that's what what they need is what he needed which was picard showing confidence in him which he did by putting him in command
1: it's it's a great moment and these are times where I I love Troy and what they can do with her character. She's awesome. And it those are the yeah. moments where I'm like, yeah, I was like this is this is the writers using these characters effectively and it's awesome.
0: It is. And I also think it is part of why she wasn't used effectively a lot of the time because I think this is still the case now. We're getting a little better about it, but certainly in the 80s and 90s, these kinds of conversations about feelings and you know, taking care were thought of, I think, as as much less important than right. the actual fighting thing. So I think part of the reason we see so little of this and we like over just the first season, there have been times when I think a a person like Troy or a comment like what Troy had made just now would have been really useful, but we we don't see it as much. And I think part of that reason is that it's not as exciting and it doesn't feel as serious right like this is just taking care of people's feelings yeah Uh, it is it is at least as serious if not more serious than you know who's in command or what course of action are we going to take because whatever course of action you take you need the people taking it to feel confidence and to feel strong in what they're doing
1: yeah and it's cool that laforge they have him admit how he's feeling he's like i am nervous i'm i am scared and but that 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 is shown or it's written in the context as being a strength that he has that self-awareness mm-hmm. kind of going forward into it the
0: opposite of what what logan has actually yeah
1: oh yeah good point yeah in contrast to logan not who I think is also really scared. He is. But has covered it over with, you know, this anger.
0: Yeah, I think he's I think he's terrified. Yes. That's why he's doing it. But it it is clouding his decision making, which yes. you can see because every decision that he makes is just in contrast to what, what LaForge wants to make.
1: Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. LaForge goes to the battle bridge and with uh, Sue, Solus, and Wharf, and they they go through the process of separating the ship. So they get a shot, which is like they encounter a Far Point part where you're looking at the back of the saucer section floating off uh <laughs> it does go a lot more quickly this time than it it's does. it's 33 in, seconds yeah as opposed to a <laughs> a far part where it's like 50 minutes long and with like the dramatic music and so yeah. we get a cool shot of the lower section and the saucer together and then the saucer flying off and the battle section turning around and going it's back. really
0: cool like you see them they're like in sync for a while and then they separate they separate i off. like it yeah, it's yeah. Apart. what do you call is it the battle section the battle drive is that the lower section like, the i
1: two? think a couple they could use a couple different names in the early series so there's like battle section or whatever but in the in the technical manual it's called the star drive section
0: the star drive that's right yeah
1: which makes sense because it is the part that has warp capability right Th- that was the other thing they mentioned is i think he tells logan to take the saucer section to like somewhere starbase like some- a starbase and yeah. i was like there's how would you there's no way it could get there it doesn't have warp, so you it really couldn't really go anywhere. Not going to go.
0: I guess there's a nearby star base. This is me I'll being picky. I'll there in a couple days. Yeah, because
1: space yeah. is really big, but it's, it's cool. It's very,
0: very big, yeah. <laughs> space, the Star Trek space has uh, different parts of it are different sizes depending on the plot. what the storyline <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's
1: plot space and plot speed <laughs> yeah. often is Yeah, really yeah, that's
0: what you said. Warp, warp is the speed, speed of, of plot. plot but... It really is, yeah.
1: That's, anyways.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, so then we're back on the planet. Picard is looking for an exit, but he's also trying to get Crusher to to talk. And so she says that her grandmother helped colonize Arveda Three. Mm-hmm. Do we know anything about Arveda Three, or is this just a throwaway?
1: We will in a couple years.
0: Okay, but but apparently there was a tragedy, and so when they we don't we don't hear much, but when they ran out of medical supplies, her grandmother kind of learned what she could about roots and herbs mm-hmm. and taught that to to Crusher. Mm-hmm. And then we get a really weird moment where Picard says, oh, wow, I didn't know that about you. And then he's like, oh, I guess there's a lot I don't know about you. And Crusher sort of wistfully says quite a few things you don't know about me. And apparently this uh, this episode had a, had a scene. Originally, it was written with uh, Crusher tending to a, an injured Picard. Oh, okay. And also professing her love for him. Oh. But then Gene Roddenberry was like, No, I don't like that, and I'm really glad personally that that's not what happened.
1: Yeah, that would have been really kind of awkward, maybe, or just like early, too early in the storytelling.
0: We've seen it a few times, like with the naked now when she was in her gravity drunk, and then we (laughs) saw it in uh, in the big goodbye when they were stuck when they went to the holodeck together, and and uh, she was upset that he invited Waylon and Data came along, and you know we've seen a little bit hints that there are feelings and then this turns into like a bit of a hint as well but no it would be weird if she professed her love for him
1: yeah they, then they get afterwards they just like blame it on the roots they're like <laughs> it is affecting my judgment after i, I was all losing roots. blood
0: so much blood <laughs> i was lightheaded yeah, you and you are high on roots. that root it was weird <laughs> it was a bad time yeah. let's
1: just forget about it <laughs> as they're inside of this space because as you said it's a structure he finds this glowy view screen and turns on this massive machine and it has a tracking device and he realizes it's probably tracking the other probes that have been flying around and all of a sudden vincent the salesperson shows up again <laughs> that's
0: i should we should clarify that's the actor's that's name. the actor's <laughs> name yes <laughs> it's not the character name <laughs> yeah.
1: vince uh, vincent the salesperson uh, <laughs> so he tells them that these drones are actually called the echo papa 607 and that's what's been attacking them
0: and it's uh an impressive he says like it's it's been doing an impressive demonstration and it, it can even destroy space vessels so then picard realizes that his ship is in danger
1: yeah this isn't the flex that vincent thinks it is no because the, they're not convincing anyone this is where i was like this is a actually a really bad sales pitch
0: i mean i think part of the problem is that he's not a person this is an automated thing because you need to be attuned to like the person you're selling it to and like seeing how they're reacting and when they're like oh no then you maybe stop
1: yeah because if you and yeah you don't want to kill your customer then they're not going to buy anything from you that way
0: it's generally the case Yeah. yeah And Crusher realizes that this this holographic projection, whatever, can't really answer questions that are not related to selling the product. So like when Picard says, is my ship in danger? And he can't really respond to that. Mm -hmm. He just starts saying more stuff about the product. And Picard realizes that this is why all of the intelligent life on Minos is gone. Because they, they were killed by their own creation. That once it starts, it's invincible and it won't stop trying to demonstrate its power
1: that's right yeah and so there's this electronic whooshing sound and vincent says a unit has analyzed the last attack so i guess that this is the 12 minutes that are up now and Mm -hmm. it's constructed a newer stronger deadlier weapon that's going to kill the other three and picard says like well abort it and he seems confused he's like well i can't abort because then i can't if i abort it then i can't show you how good the product is
0: yeah so then the other three uh yar and Riker and data they find the hole where crusher and picard have fallen down. They're like, wow, that is impressive that you didn't die falling and only one of you was injured after falling down. It's like over 11. I wrote down feet here. I think it's actually meters. I
1: think it was 11 meters. It was a pretty big fall. That's that's over 11
0: meters because Data's like, I can jump that that far. And they're like, no, like you're not indestructible. But he's like, no, it's okay." I got a little bit of an upset stomach watching him do that jump. It was like they made it look like a very long jump.
1: Yeah, it's 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 cool. And we'll I don't know well, it's not the first time that Data gets to do something like this. But it's every yeah. once in a while, Data gets to show off his, his superhumanness. And this, is, this yeah. is one of them. So it jumps his, and as It's like he opening lands, a door. Yeah, just like opening a door. Except it gets to <laughs> jump fall a far distance. And Data checks out Crusher, has a worried look on his face because Crusher's lost a lot of blood. And Yar, Yar doesn't know at this point how they're going to stop the next weapon because they've, they threw everything they had at the previous one.
0: Yeah. And, and now they're short one phaser they're also, yeah they're also down the hole yeah uh meanwhile the the star drive has returned to minos and laforge gives a nice speech to sue and to Solis. and he he says you know your jobs you know what you need to do you you've studied you've prepared for this now you just got to do it which is kind of nice yeah
1: i liked it data wants to see the schematics for the equipagma 607 and vincent brings it up and picard says well maybe we can assign it a new target and maybe we could target itself. But data suggests that the explosion would kill them.
0: Yeah, because they are in, in this cave yes, with it. Yes, yeah. Uh, There's also a really funny brief scene of Yar and Riker thinking of like how they're going to evade the next weapon or really, really Yar is coming up. She's like, maybe we could split up. Maybe we could run faster. And Riker's like, none of these are going to work. No,
1: I know. But she's trying whatever. And then it shoots at them. And I'm always glad that like the first shot misses because they're not paying attention and yet it missed them anyway. They're like, okay, now we're into battle. It basically fires over Yar's shoulder. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's basically just letting them know like I'm here. Then Crusher is like, well, can you tell it to to turn off? Which I don't think is much different from when Picard said abort. But what Picard ends up having to say and again, this isn't why it's an offer they can't refuse. He's like, okay, yeah, no, I'm satisfied with what I'm seen. I want to buy it. Right.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so you okay, can turn The only thing that make the salesperson go away. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Fine. I'll buy the thing. Fine.
0: I will buy your horrible product that's trying to kill me. Then it's, I don't know if this is like just a, a timing issue that like we go back to the to the star drive that they're still being attacked. They are. So I don't yeah. know if this weapon just didn't get the memo that it's supposed to turn off or if uh, we're just supposed to understand that this happened before, like this was happening. These two things are happening at the same time.
1: Or maybe it was delayed or something.
0: Yeah, yeah
1: they're still they're still fighting the weapon, and it's still cloaked. And so LaForge has this cool plan, which I don't think is ever referred to as the LaForge maneuver in the show. But when I had the Star Trek card game, there was a TNG trading card game. And this was one of the, the things that you could play in the card game. And in the card game, it was referred to as the LaForge maneuver. But what they do is they bring the ship into the atmosphere of the planet. And so when the cloaked ship is in the atmosphere with them, it'll give off a visible distortion because of its travel through the atmosphere and, and give it's it away. It's
0: such a cool plan. And
1: I don't know if this was intentional or not, but I, I thought, oh, maybe there might be an added layer of meaning here is that La Forge, is helping them to see something that is otherwise invisible.
0: Oh yeah, I was I was thinking about that because Logan says you can't fight something you can't see. Right, yeah. And I LaForge didn't really answer that but I thought mm, he kind of can because he sees in a different way. Yeah. And so with this it's the same thing. We can't see the object itself but we can see the disturb the atmospheric disturbance around it.
1: Yeah, and so it's I wasn't sure if that was intended in the writing. I'm going to think Maybe not because usually Star Trek is more over the head with these kind of yeah, parallels. Yeah, if, do if with that characters. was
0: intended, that was incredibly subtle. Yeah, for TNG. it was.
1: Yeah, but normally it would have them say like, "Well, I can see things that others can't see," like and then <laughs> sit down in the chair dramatically. Yeah. Like it would have been yes. more. But yes. I, I, but I thought it was a cool thing that they did with him is that he, as the as the, like a character who has uh, who is blind, has this visor and they get him to or he's in a position where he takes command where they have to fight something that's invisible mm-hmm. and i was like that's cool you know that they did this
0: and and also that it would occur to him to not try to keep looking for it but to to change the circumstances so that it so that they can perceive it even if they can't right.
1: see right yeah to find a new way to see something yeah yeah and so they fire at it and they blow it up
0: yeah and the explosion is so powerful it seems that and since you's hair, it goes back a little bit. I
1: did not notice that. So It's
0: just kinda like you just <laughs> I don't know if it's like if it's because she moved or what, but it looked like her hair went back it a little bit. Like, like wow, that's powerful. Even even through the walls through of the, the walls ship. Of the ship.
1: Yep. <laughs> that's why there's sound in space in Star Trek. It turns out
0: there's air. In Star Trek, yeah. Yep. Then we're we're safe. They beam the away team back onto the ship, and I really like this. Uh, last scene uh, because Picard and Riker go up to the battle bridge and LaForge is like okay like I am relieved of command and Picard's like no you're not yeah I gave you my ship in one piece and I would like you to return it to me that in way one piece yeah <laughs> and then I think that's nice because that's him saying like you did a good job and you can be in command a little longer yeah
1: it was very cool yeah yeah sickbay reports that Crusher is recovering now I want to point out another nitpicky thing Ruthie yeah uh sickbay is in the saucer section.
0: Okay, I, w- I wondered that as well because yes. I. I was like, how many people is LaForge actually taking with him? I was like, because I, I wasn't sure which parts of, of the ship were in were in what. But I was like, I know he's not just taking Wharf and Zoo and Solace. Uh I'm sure there are other, there's other crew, but I bet there's a battle sick bay.
1: There has to be. Yeah. And And so this is one of the things I need to, it doesn't matter. But I was like, I know. I was yeah. like, wait a second. I was like, sick bay is on deck 12 and deck 12 is in the saucer <laughs> section. This is what I was thinking <laughs> when I was watching this. But then I was like, okay, well, if the other section of the ship is intended for combat then likely it also has its own sick
0: bay. yeah it better have a, yeah. a medical facility yeah
1: this was me just being a nerd i was like actually <laughs> sickbay is on deck 12 yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that that last little part with with uh, picard was it was very nice i think everyone who was in command would want to hear a compliment like that from captain picard
0: yeah yes for sure what do you think of this episode matt
1: i loved it i, I like yeah. this episode it is it's one of those episodes that's a little bit more bizarre
0: It is, it is a little bit bizarre, but I I do, yeah, I do like it.
1: But everyone, everyone got a chance to do something all in one episode. Mm -hmm. Like almost all the major cast members. No
0: Wesley in this
1: one. Not no Wesley in this one, but like everyone had a role when you think about Mm -hmm. it. Like Yara got to do security stuff. Riker got to talk about his command. Picard and Crusher get to have moments together. LaForge gets to have a command moment. And like Troy gets to counsel. Like everyone got to do something in this episode.
0: Worf gets to, to do his battle stuff and try.
1: Worf got to do battle stuff and try. There's
0: actually, you know what, there's something we didn't mention but i really liked it so when jordy is like putting together this plan for them to go on go through into the atmosphere and he's like wharf how fast can you lock on weapons and wharf is like fast fast and it's just <laughs> i like it that it's like wharf is competent yeah he is
1: yeah he knows he knows his craft he knows it well he does yeah.
0: and the other thing i like so like you said Picard and Crusher have like a nice moment together, but in in that moment, it's like Crusher is, is injured and unable to do much, but she's the one with the knowledge of what needs to be done. So she actually, he has to follow her instructions, yeah. even though she can't do the actual medical stuff.
1: So in, in the future, we don't see, I don't think there's actually a lot of episodes constructed this way. I. I th- the trend that I think we'll start seeing is that the episodes tend to focus more on one character. It's like a story. It's like this is a Troy episode. This is a writer kind of episode. The, it kind of rotates through It kind of goes cast, through them. Yeah. And I wonder if is the only reason that you can have an episode like this where everyone has like more of a role they get to step up. Is it because the one person that really doesn't get to do their normal job is Picard and that he's stuck in a hole? And then everyone else has to f- kind of fill in. Mm,
0: let's uh, let's, hang on, let's hang on to that theory because I think it'll come up in some future. Okay.
1: Episodes. Okay. There we go.
0: Yeah. I also, I th- I'm just thinking of you saying that, that reminded me, I think it was when we did The Naked Now that I mentioned that it, it, the story's just going all over the place. Like mm-hmm. it didn't seem to have, it didn't seem very organized. And you mentioned, you thought that might've been because different from the original Trek, this show was much more of an ensemble show. Yes. It didn't just have the main three. It had a much bigger main cast. Yes. And so they're trying to like show everyone doing stuff. And like, so So that's an example of it, I think, really not working as well. In this one, I think it does work. Yeah. Because yeah, you've got people... And yeah, and you've got everybody actually in a sort of different role because so LaForge is in command. Worf is in charge of tactical and security on the ship because chief of security is on the planet with Data and Riker and they are, the three of them are doing things that they are used to doing. The three of them have been on almost all of the away missions so far, but they're, they're not doing their regular ship stuff. And then you've got the captain down on the surface not being in command of the ship and having to do the medical stuff that Crusher can't do because she's not in her main role. So they're, with the exception of Troy, who has a much more prominent role in this episode than in some recent ones, they're all doing things that are a little bit different from what they usually do on the ship.
1: Yeah, but getting to meet the call.
0: Yeah, they're all stretching a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And she is too because she has to counsel a lieutenant in being in command yeah in the
1: middle of a battle basically in the middle of a crisis yeah Yeah, absolutely so
0: i like it i like this one it's a bit silly
1: though they're fighting a a floating shampoo bottle that's also a bit funny
0: yeah (laughs) that's funny for sure you know you can see the season one on it pretty clearly but I, i like it i think it's one of the better season one episodes for
1: sure i agree well Thank you so much for listening to this episode of With the First Link. If you liked what you heard, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast provider of choice.
0: Our cover art was created by Nathan Nunn, and you can find more of his work at NathanNunn.ca. Our theme song is An Amazing Adventure by Flame Lion Studio. You can follow us on Instagram at firstlinkpod or send us an email at firstlinkpod at gmail.com and tell us about the uncomfortable sales pitches that you have been a part of. I am Ruby,
1: And I'm Matthew. And I have an offer you can't refuse.